0: Welcome to another episode of Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about true crimes and cocktails. I'm Trish, your bartender for today, and I'm Sloan, your
1: crime tender for today.
0: Today we're going to be doing our drink, which is a peanut butter and jelly drink, and we're also doing our case on Stephen Plattle. He is trigger
1: warning an incestuous um motherfucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so grab your cocktail and buckle up for the hot mess express. Toot toot beep beep. <laughs>
0: Welcome back to another round of drinks with your bartender, Trish. Today, I am doing a very simple two-ingredient you can do as a shot or a drink. I did it as a drink. It is basically a peanut butter and jelly drink. Like, it tastes exactly like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you just need screwball and any berry seltzer. My roommate has a bunch of the Truly Fruit Punch seltzers at the house she's been trying to get rid of. So I grabbed one of her. It's a berry punch one. And did that. We didn't really measure this out. We just kind of did it based on like a preference thing. But I'd say we probably used about 1.5 ounces of screwball. Maybe two. And then I did like half of the seltzer. In it and then you just kind of do that all over ice. Maybe give it a little stir just so it does mix and then you just enjoy and like I said it tastes like peanut and jelly. If you're gonna do a shot I would just do maybe one ounce of screwball and then just fill the rest of the shot up with your berry punch and then just shoot it but highly recommend it is a little sweeter of a drink, so probably don't want to do too many of them, because we all know the sugar is what um, gives you those hangovers. <laughs> but if you are a peanut butter and jelly fan, definitely, definitely test it out. Let us know what you think. And with that being said, we're going to kick you
1: off to the next episode. Welcome back to another case of crime tending with Sloan. Today, I'm bringing you the case of Stephen Platel. Who I had never heard of. You've never heard of. Okay, cool. So this is a brand new case to both of us. In 1995, Stephen Plattel was 20 years old when he met Elisa, 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 Elisa Elisa Garcia in an online chat room. I feel like it's only fair to mention to y'all that at this point, Trish and I have been... (laughs) We've taste- been taste testing, okay. We've been taste testing, and we taste tested like five different shots before we started recording, so... <laughs> it could be a little interesting. A whole lot of interesting. But we're doing our best here. But today is about Stephen Plattel and not about us. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, we're in 1995 at this point, and he was 25. He was 20, and he met... 15-year-old Alyssa Garcia in an online chat room, as one did in the 1990s. I know I was in plenty of chat rooms. I definitely did chat rooms. For sure. It was what we did at that point. But the somewhat problem here is that Alyssa lived in Texas and Stephen lived in New York. I mean, clearly the bigger problem here is that she's 15 and he's 20. Uh, So he's grooming her essentially. Yes. So during their online engagement, Stephen would visit Alyssa in Texas and they were in a pretty serious relationship because within a year of meeting, Alyssa ran away to live with Stephen in New York. And a year after that, Alyssa was pregnant at 16, 17 years old. They had a beautiful baby girl. They named her Denise. Everything was great at first, according to Alyssa. But soon Alyssa noticed that Stephen was physically abusing baby Denise. He would pinch her until she was bruised. He would stuff her into a cooler to keep her quiet. To stop her from crying and screaming. Until she was on the verge of suffocating inside the cooler. So that's pretty much why she would shut up. Like she... Couldn't do anything else.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds like um,
1: <laughs> a problem. Yes. Yeah. So together, quote unquote together, they decided that they were too young and they did not have the finances to raise a baby. And it would be best for all parties involved that Denise would be put up for adoption at eight months old. Steven and Alyssa would go on to get married in 2006, and they ended up having two more daughters in like 2006, 2007. Um, The second daughter was born like 2010, 2011, and they lived in Henrico, which is a suburb of Richmond, Virginia. Denise went on to be adopted almost immediately because she was a cute little eight-month baby. She was adopted almost immediately into a wonderful family and renamed Katie, Katie Fusco. She was adopted by Tony and Kelly of Dover, New York, and she had pretty much like the idealistic childhood. So she had the idealistic childhood, but of course she always kind of wondered like, you know, where were her birth parents? Why was she missing that relationship between them? even though her parents definitely, like her adoptive parents, loved her above and beyond. So Katie attended Dover High School. Her classmates remember her as one of the like artistic, very smart kids. She had friends, but she definitely wasn't in the popular group. She was while all of that's going on, Stephen, being the piece of shit he is, he's constantly threatening to commit suicide if Alyssa leaves him. He says that if she leaves him and he commits suicide, he's going—he will have it recorded and sent to her because it's all her fault. He would also often call their oldest daughter, that was in the home, retarded, which is bad enough in its own. But this daughter is actually on the autistic sca- scale. So, like, he knows that there are actual issues here. Yeah. And he's just being a piece of shit about it all. So, Katie slash Denise, from this point forward, I'm just going to call her Katie. She was renamed whenever she was eight months old, so she's Katie. But at this point is whenever Katie reached out to all parties and they were all ecstatic to reunite. So much so that Katie decided that she was going to move into the plattles in the fall instead of heading off to college. Her parents, her adoptive parents, were going to pay for college and all that stuff. And she was like, you know what? That seems great. But instead of doing that, I'm going to go find out who I truly am with my birth parents. So. Of course, the adoptive parents, they were very hesitant, but they were supportive because at this point, Katie is 18 years old. She's a full-fledged adult, full-fledged adult, and she can do whatever the hell she wants. So the adoptive parents are kind of like, we're just holding on for the ride and hoping that this girl that we've raised for her entire life wants to keep us in it. But we can't stop her from doing anything that we think is dangerous for her. Including moving in with the Plattles. So, according to Alyssa, the birth mom, she did pull Katie aside very early on and was like, Hey, I just want to let you know that the reason that I gave you up for adoption is because I don't feel like your dad is a great dad. And you would have had a better life without him, which is evidently true, like, considering what the other two kids went through, too. But Katie did not seem very phased by any of this information. She was just overly ecstatic to be in both of her birth parents' lives at this point. Okay. After Katie moved in, Stephen started to change. He started to change... Physically, he was dressing differently. He started wearing skinny jeans and tight shirts again, like he was a little high school emo punk. But also his behavior was changing. Just like the way that he was treating everybody but Katie was changing. About a month and a half after Katie moved in, Steven decided that he was going to sleep on the floor in her bedroom
0: okay
1: which Alyssa was kind of like hey this is not okay I get that you and I are not sleeping in like the same room but it's not okay that you're sleeping on the floor quote-unquote in our oldest daughter's bedroom but Alyssa was the only one that really saw anything wrong with this when he did it the next night Alyssa finally confronted Stephen and he became very angry, telling Alyssa that it was none of her business. And then he stormed out of the house altogether. Yeah. This kind of shit, like, this continued for a few months. And finally, Alyssa just moved out of the house altogether sometime in November. Um, but she did still share custody with Stephen between her house and his house. So that was November. And now we're going to fast forward to may two thousand and seventeen when Alyssa was snooping through her eleven year old stuff, which is the autistic older daughter
0: mm-hmm.
1: her old the eleven year old's daughter uh stuff, and she found a journal entry about Katie being pregnant with Stephen's child in this journal. there was even a reference about how Stephen was demanding that. The younger two daughters call Katie their stepmom. (laughs) He was demanding that these children call their sister their stepmom. I'm going to let that sit in for a minute. So, Alyssa, of course, upon finding this journal entry, she's hysterical. Rightfully so. And she calls Stephen immediately. This asshole, when confronted over the pregnancy, said... I thought you knew. (laughs) Katie and I are in love. You're in love with a daughter that you abused? I don't get it. I don't get it. So, once again, rightfully so, Alyssa lost her shit on him. She hung up and then she immediately called the police. And then she promptly filed for divorce. As she should. Two months later, July 28th, 2017, Stephen and Katie were married in Parkton, Maryland. They lied on their marriage application, saying that they were unrelated. So here's the worst part, is that Katie's adoptive parents were at the wedding. To her birth father. They attended as witnesses. Because they didn't want to lose their adoptive daughter. Which (laughs) I get... But, like, at what point do you stand up and you're like, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. That's what parents do. You going, you know what, I'm not a parent. I don't have any room to say. (laughs) I don't have any room to talk about that. so. So, they got married July 20th. On September 1st of 2017, Katie gave birth to a beautiful baby boy named Bennett. And Bennett, Katie, and Stephen moved to Nightdale, North Carolina, which is like east of Riley, North Carolina. They lived happily ever after until the new year rolled around. So just a few months later, when the couple was arrested on incest charges and extradited to Henrico County, North Carolina. Stephen was Stephen was released on a $28,000 bail. They were ordered by a judge to have no contact whatsoever. Katie was sent back to her adoptive parents. Bennett was sent to live with Stephen's mother, Grace. What sentence does that make? I feel like Bennett should have been sent with his mother and his grandparents. Mistake number one on the judicial system. Yeah. So, anyways... Rick Friedman II which was one of the attorneys in the case said quote this case is about an 18 year old girl who shows up at the doorstep of a 40 year old man who's going through difficult times with his wife. They have a bond because they're biologically related but they never knew each other because they had a sexual relationship. He was head over heels in love with her so much so that the So much so that outweighed the issue of them being biologically related. I'll let you guess which attorney this was. You're right. It was Stephen's attorney, the defense attorney. So when Katie was released from jail, she went back to live with her adoptive parents, the Fuscos. She pretty quickly got into a routine which included going to her adoptive grandmother's house every Tuesday and Thursday Her grandmother lived in Waterbury, Connecticut, which is about an hour from Dover, New York. On April 12th, Katie and her father, Tony, left the family home for the grandmother's home. But today was not like any other day. Today, Stephen Plottle was waiting in a minivan nearby watching them. Minutes later... They were in New Milford, and witnesses reported op- hearing open fire, which resulted in Katie and Tony Fusco's Fusco being futile. I cannot speak. These shots! These shots. But minutes later in New Milford, witnesses reported open fire, which resulted in Katie and Tony Fusco being fatally shot. That same day, Stephen Plattle was also found in a minivan dead. Of a self-inflicted gunshot back in Dover, New York. I know we're talking about all of these different states. But, like, all of these cities are within 30 minutes of each other. So, it's really not that big of a deal. They're just right on the state line. Yeah. So, Stephen's mother placed a phone call to 911 confessing that her son called Bennett. Her son called Bennett. Her son killed Bennett, the baby, She reported that Stephen told her to call the police because she couldn't go over there. She said that Stephen also admitted to him that he had killed Katie and Tony. So all in like the few minutes that it took for for him to drive from New Milford back to Dover, he was on the phone with his mom saying, I killed my son. I just killed my wife and her dad. And this is all over, essentially. The reason that he did all of this was because his wife broke up with him over the phone. His daughter wife called him and said, we're over over the phone, which is why he needed to kill her and their baby and her father. So this whole tragic incident ended in a quadruple homicide. And that is the story of Stephen Platel. And his and his incestuous motherfucking ass. Jeez. <laughs> <He>, <laughs> I just I was whenever I first researched this I was like okay cool like this is going to be a story about a pedophile on the internet. And it got so much worse from there. <laughs> I was like it just kept going. We live in Alabama, (laughs) which is what most people view as the incestuous state. I've never, I've never seen anybody do that shit. Yeah.
0: That
1: was the Northeast for you bitches.
0: (laughs) But that is our case for today.
1: We'll kick you off to the last call on that. I hope you had a drink because
0: (laughs) if not go grab you one before this last call because oh, I need a
1: drink. (laughs) I need a refill.
0: (laughs) Welcome back to another last call with your bartender, not crime tender bartender, Trish. Today I'm just doing some random alcohol facts. It's going to be kind of short sweet to the point but as is
1: the episode. Yes
0: but there's some fun ones. So, the first one I'm going to start out with is the strongest beer in the world is actually 67.5% alcohol. <laughs> it's in Scotland. Imagine Shocker. <laughs> it's called Snake Venom Beer. And people actually complained it wasn't strong enough when it was 67% So, they re-released it at 67.5% alcohol.
1: I mean, I'm full. You
0: know, that .5 just put it over the edge.
1: (laughs) I don't see how they complained at 67%. (laughs) Right? Then again, it was Scotland. Yeah.
0: It actually comes with a yellow health warning label. (laughs) I was like, oh my god. People think that we make our drinks strong. Could you imagine... (laughs)
1: Uh, literally, we call them Sloan drinks whenever they're really strong.
0: Yeah. But yes, so if you go to Scotland and you feel like uh, risking your health, you can get a beer that is 67.5% alcohol. I do like a beer every, like, now and then, but I don't think I could personally drink one that is 67.5% alcohol.
1: I definitely could not I don't do beer. Except I can't it. <laughs> So, another
0: alcohol fact I have is it only takes 90 seconds for your body to absorb alcohol. So, uh. yes. So, food, it takes a lot longer. But that's because you have to break down your food. You have to chew it. You have to swallow it. It has to go through all the digestive like tract and that. Alcohol, because it's liquid and everything, as soon as is in your mouth, parts of it are being absorbed. So, because it doesn't have to get broken down and everything, it really only takes 90 seconds for your body to start absorbing alcohol. Mm. If I can speak, it only takes 90 seconds for your body to absorb alcohol. Once again, we
1: took like five shots in about 90 seconds <laughs> times five. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so... Alcohol
0: will hit you a lot faster than food, which is why they say time is all it takes for alcohol to digest. But going along with that, your body can only eliminate a certain amount of of alcohol every hour. So you can wait as long as you want, but your body is only going to get rid of so much. And a way to kind of help speed up this process is to eat things that are, like, high in fructose. Studies have shown that fructose can have an 80% increase in your, like... I'm trying to think of the word. You're, like, basically digesting the alcohol. So, yes, they... I know we've all heard the trick. Drink water... Eat, like, peanuts, stuff like that. But, no. You need stuff with, like, basically sugar. Yeah. Alcohol is believed to be as old as human civilization. There are studies and stuff done on different artifacts that show that in some form there is alcohol present whether it was drank or if it was like a sanita- like, san like like a way of santai stuff, mm-hmm. yeah, so alcohol's been around since you know the cavemen, yeah, <laughs> which I find interesting. And my final fact for today is that vodka freezes at negative sixteen point five one degrees Fahrenheit. Or if you are listening to some in some place that uses Celsius, that is 26.95 degrees Celsius. So, the little fun fact is that home freezers only reach to about negative nine or negative 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) that's why. If you're ever trying to, like, put alcohol in the freezer to either, like, freeze or, like, cool, it's never going to actually freeze because yeah. it cannot get cold enough. Right. So.
1: If it's slushy, your teenagers have been in it. Yes. <laughs> they have been
0: adding some water. Um, But, yeah, those are my little alcohol facts. Like I said, it's going to be short and sweet, but... Yeah. Sometimes I feel like uh, short and sweet is what we need. What we need. Especially after we've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: yep. So remember, catch us on all of your social medias. We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Tequila She Wrote across the board. We have our email. If you have any cocktail suggestions or case recommendations, uh, tequila, she Wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon up and going. It is a lot more in progress than it has <laughs> yes. been. So uh, it took some time to update it. <laughs> yes. So it's updated. Patreon.com backslash Tequila She Wrote. You can help support your favorite bitches for at least $2 a month. We have several tiers. Each tier has different bonus content. We also have merchandise available on each tier. There are stickers, uh, t-shirts, coffee mugs, all that sort of stuff, all available on Patreon. So check us out out there if you're so inclined. And we look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next time. Bye. Bye.